This is War Room Moments, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and most relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. War Room Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Hey, welcome to today's episode of War Room Moments. My name is Jason Miller, and I am your podcast host. And today I have Tom on with us today. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Well, hey, Tom, I always tell people every introduction you watch any podcast, I always say I'm horrible at introducing people. So uh, if you can introduce yourself and what your superpower is. Will do. Will do. I consider myself somewhat a recovering college professor. I have about 34, 35 years in the, the college educational uh, arena since 1986. And I've taken a few breaks from that. I've taken uh, what I call early retirement three times, but I keep being pulled back in in some capacity, either as a consultant or even just adjunct. Role. My superpower, I actually asked my wife, this this question and she said that my superpower is x-ray vision because i can see under the skin of people really get to know who they are some one of us since uh, sixth sense for discernment i'm very mm-hmm. empathic i'm the guy that talks to people in elevators i'm going to talk to you if you're standing in line with me i'm going to get to know you whether you're in front of me and or behind me and hear your story and kind of come to know who you are at the basis. Um, for example, my leadership definition is that an effective leader is someone who is comfortable in their own skin, but also comfortable getting under the skin of others. They really need to get to know who they're working with, who those people mm-hmm. are, and help them leverage their strengths and bring those things out and draw those things out. Uh, I would have told you that my superpower is I have the ability. You may not see it as a superpower. The ability to tell people they're stupid and they say thank you <laughs> and that just comes from the coaching perspective but looking not that not to say that as an insult to people but to help them hear the hard things that they need to hear yeah. and they may not want to hear it but they're often not only taken aback but they're often relieved that wow finally someone has called me out Right. On, on some of this imposter perspective or just simply hiding behind some false perception of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I mean, I love the topic of leadership. It's I spent 23 years in the military, love the leadership thing. I have, I've led thousands of people throughout my life, um, mentored people. And it's one of those things that you never fully get right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's right? a growth process. Absolutely. It is. It's a growth process. You just you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, purpose, direction, motivation, and influence, right? Um, those four things are, you know, what I kind of consider the keys of good leadership are those things. And they're good leadership traits. But right but they're not the answer, right? Yes, yes. Right? And that, that's, I appreciate that perspective <laughs> because that's really precisely where I'm coming from. It, my 
my workshops, uh, consulting, coaching perspective, it isn't really focused on those leadership traits. You know, things mm-hmm. you can read about in a book, but how many books have been written on leadership and those oh, different traits? Damn. And how many workshops <laughs> and trainings have people gone through? And all the research indicates that really leadership hasn't improved all that much. Yeah. Well, when you start getting into, you start comparing the differences between baby boomer, right? A baby boomer and a Gen X. I'm a Gen X, right? Um, I go over to my neighbor. He's a ex-former Marine. Um, so we have a lot of fun fodder talk together Monday nights, watching sports, so on and so forth. But he's a boomer. He's 81, right? And I feel I'm like stuck in the middle. Right. So I have like half of that perspective, but then half of the new way of things when it comes to leadership, leadership capabilities, how to. um, It's not the right word, but how to manipulate people to get them to do what you want them to do. Right. And get an effective outcome out of it. And it's not the easiest damn thing in the world to do either. Right. But like we talked about before we started the show, now introduce the generational gaps into right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I've got I've got four sons and they are 27, 22 or 32. Mm -hmm. And a little bit on the Gen Y, I guess, and then the Gen Z. And one of the challenges I think we have today is we used to think about generations as decades you know yeah. a, a family has children and that's the next generation so you've got about two decades in there that that forms what we would call chronologically generation but i think since 2000 it, it, you know just as a rough guess it's been much more exponential than that especially with the social media influences so the cultural changes that you see happening are as bill gates said back in 2000 with his book business at the speed of light, that's that's how generations change. You know, mm-hmm. the kid that's born next year will have a very different cultural experience from the one that was born this year because of all the cultural media, uh, social cultural media uh, influences that are out there. And, you know, their kids are growing up before five with iPhones. And I think one of the, I think one of the advantages I have in, in, in reaching this market is I've having taught since 1986 I've I've taught every generation that exists so far and I, I've I've kind of joked around that I've grown up with them in, 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 the, right. in the process of able to connect with their music with their with their with their movies and their tape television shows or now Netflix and so forth but uh, I still use old movie examples that no one's ever seen. And so I just use that as a cultural opportunity to enlighten them on on that that old movie that was on VHS when it came out. <laughs> but it, it's learning to just speak their language. And rather than us looking at leadership as getting people to do what we want them to do, we, we elicit it. We draw it out. We find out first and foremost, what is it that they doubt? What is it that they want? And align our value and vision with theirs. And, and just sort of build that bridge and lead them over. Uh, onboarding, for example, with companies, they tend to focus at least 80%, if not more, on introducing the new hire to the corporate process. 
Mm-hmm. Here's how things work here. Without giving much thought to how does that person, how does that individual work? What are they interested in? What are they passionate about? What are their strengths and their talents? That may have been considered in the hiring process, but it really loses traction once they're on board. Now we got you. And you're, you're ours and you have to do what we tell you to do during these hours of the day, as opposed to really connecting, relating, and, and learning how to resonate with them. And it's, it's learning to speak their language. Yeah. Uh, so you can, I, I've kind of summed it up this way. So you can continue to think the old way, right? Or adapt to meet the halfway, right? Yeah. Meet the halfway, right? And in the halfway now, is 75%. If I, yeah. If, if well, if I pay attention and listen a little better, right? From a leadership perspective, even though, uh, you know, I think you're a snowflake or whatever, it doesn't matter, right? But that that specific individual might have some really good talent that I didn't bring out mm-hmm. that maybe that's not even what I hired them for. And right. it's like, Wow, I just found out something about you that's really cool. Actually, I'm going to give you a promotion. I'm going to put you over here, right? Because this is where you should be. Yeah, so I think that listening is extremely important. And I think we spend a lot of time talking and not enough time actually listening and hearing what people say. And, you know, it doesn't even matter what generation it is. That, that's completely irrelevant. We're in this world of instant gratification. You can, you know, go on your phone, you can hit order from Amazon. That's here in like an hour. That's like, holy crap. <laughs> right? yeah. So if we spend a little more time not focusing on, oh my God, this generation that's coming up sucks, Right embrace it and use it and lead it to its best advantage. That's kind of what I think about it. That's absolutely correct. I think, and I've taught in multiple countries and the last country I was in was was the United Arab Emirates and Dubai is 85% somewhere else. And (laughs) having, having worked with, so many different cultures and, and you know, who, who think in a very different language format than, than I do. They're, the whole structure, the syntax, even though they're uh, competent in English, there's still a translation that's, that's taking place. Well, one thing I learned is, you know, as, as we talk about intercultural communication sometimes, I really don't look at it as one culture connecting with another culture because people are people wherever they're from, you know, personality references, behavioral styles, those pretty much align regardless of the cultural experience that 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 person may have uh, grown up with. So just recognizing that first and foremost, they're a person, Mm -hmm. that that they're an individual. To to look at someone as as a member of a collective of of any type is going to miss the mark because uh, our real personal social identity isn't just a, a product of that there, there's so much else going on and when you, when you think of 
just here in the, in the States, for example, your family dynamics are probably very different from the neighbor's family dynamics. Even though you might share a lot in common, your, your house rules for your kids may be very different as far mm-hmm. as the technology, time, uh, time on television, time outside, time with sports. You, you have a different mindset with it. And so when you, when you approach someone, regardless of the generational or cultural gap, with that mindset, oh, they're from here. And so that that's that's going to filter every, everything. It's not that we don't consider it in the process, but, but the communication needs to be trans, transformational in that moment. It, it's dynamic. It's interactive and, and, and allow it to play. But you mentioned listening. That's that's the singular most important part of it. And being careful, absolutely cautious that your filter doesn't hear what you want to hear or what you think you hear. And I used to teach debate and I taught my debaters in the, in the cross-examination part of the debate to ask three types of questions. One, to, to clarify, make sure you understand mm-hmm. what it is they're saying and ask a question to verify, to kind of affirm, confirm that you're on the right path. And then ask a question to qualify. To what extent do they mean that? And, and that that can resolve a lot of issues and conflict even before it happens. Um, this is something I've discussed with my wife. It's, we, I've done marriage workshops. And that's what husbands and wives need to do with each other. Mm-hmm. I, I joke around that I've often awakened in the morning, having had an argument with my wife all night long, but I didn't get to participate. <laughs> Because I, I was asleep and she stayed awake grinding on what she thought I had said. And I'm saying that's not what I meant. And so to you know this let's start helping each other out here, but by clarify before we make some type of have a response or reaction, we, we clarify, verify, and qualify to make mm-hmm. sure we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All wonderful points, Tom, for sure. Um and, you know, kind of transitioning the conversation here, I always like to, part of this podcast is to help the younger generation CEO. Well, hell, maybe even the older generation CEO, um, you know, really have a bank of business struggles that a lot of business owners have went through. So I always like to ask, uh, what amongst the five-gallon bucket of business struggles that you've had, if you were to pluck one out and say, this was one, and this is how I really overcame it and share yeah, that. That's, that's a great question. I'm going to go back in time to, to answer this question. I, I When I first left teaching, I left to join a, a direct marketing company as a result of a consulting gig that I did for them. I basically was HR consulting, helping them hire, select, train salespeople. And I had guaranteed them that I would double their sales in six months. And I'd done such a fantastic job with the selection process and and connecting and leveraging their strengths that they tripled it in three months. And so I, I saw a financial opportunity. And so I, put in a proposal to end my consulting contract with them to become a partner 
and I put in a leave for, a leave of absence for my teaching job, and I just jumped on board with that direct mail marketing company. This is in 2000, so direct mail was still a thing before the internet and all that. And two months in to that relationship, and I'd already replaced myself in my teaching role. Two months in, I realized I am in with the den of thieves, and it was not going to be pretty. And and some things that were happening send people to federal prison, and I and I've always considered myself a little bit too pretty for for prison. So I I made a quick jump and started my own direct mail marketing company because I was so successful helping them build theirs. Mm-hmm. And we did take off immediately, and then. September 2001. I started in May 2001. September 2001, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Killed my business. I had six dealerships that I was supposed to get 70,000 pieces of mail out to on that day. And planes were grounded. And so it took me about a year to realize that I was no longer in business because I don't quit. But uh, what I realized during that year-long process is that I didn't know what business I was in. Mm. The success that I have accomplished and achieved wasn't because I was good at direct mail, marketing, and, and or sales. I, I was in the people business. That's, that's what I was good at doing. So I think and this is something I actually spoke to a, a group of MBAs a few weeks ago talking about Ray Kroc. You know, and they didn't know who Ray Kroc was. So there's a generational gap for you. Mm-hmm. But McDonald's, what business is McDonald's? In? And, you know, they give you the typical answer, burgers, shakes and fries. But McDonald's mm-hmm. is in the real estate business. And mm-hmm. in 2007, they were the number one real estate holding company. Uh, now I think they're down to number seven. But, but it's really important to know what business you're really in. No matter what product or service you might render, you need to understand what that really is to you. And for me, it comes down to we're all in the people business. But I I still would just really just challenge every business owner, startup or not, to really identify what business am I really in? Yeah. And what is it that we do? What are we, what can we be the best at? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a it's a great great point. And don't try to cast the wide net, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's still and it's still a challenge. I I, I reframe and, and sort of restructure at least uh, you know just a little tweak and a nip and tuck here and there to to really focus on what what my niche is and what is it right. that I do. Well. I can do a lot of things involving communication. Well, what is it that I really do well? What's what is my my strength, my superpower, as you as you put it earlier yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, it's important to identify that for sure, definitely. Um, well, great. I, I hope everybody got that um, and understood what that means. Um, and kind of close stuff up here, Tom. I always like to ask uh, if you could have picked somebody to come on the show. Um, uh, dad alive, friend, family, whatever. And you have that question you always wanted to ask somebody. What would the question be and who would you ask? 
And I was hoping you forget that question because that one's a hard, it's a hard one. It's a zinger. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I think being in the, the people in the relationship business with with what I do, Dale Carnegie, you know, I, I have a history of teaching public speaking and that was how he got his, his start. And I, I've used his book as a textbook in, in classes. And don't tell the academic advisors that because <laughs> it's probably not well-respected because it's not academically researched. But that that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm-hmm. it is, is just, just a keeper. It is, it's hard to apply, uh, particularly the one about don't criticize, especially when you think about it mm-hmm. from a a parental perspective or, or a leadership perspective. And I think leaders need to look at themselves as parents. They have an absolute incredible amount of influence on people. And, and I think that that book and Dale Carnegie himself to, to know and understand so much about human behavior, it's the human condition and, and mm-hmm. how we think within ourselves as well as with the, the interpersonal relationships aspect. What question would I ask him? Maybe, maybe in regard to this generational thing, it, does, mm. does, you know, whether he thinks that there are, are there any other principles and practices that that we that he would add to that book to help us better understand, you know, some of the challenges we we think we have in today's market. Right. Or did, or did our great grandfathers have the same challenge with our fathers? <laughs> Every generation criticizes the one after it and the one before That's it. Right. That's right. You got it. Absolutely. Sure. Well, hey, Tom, how do, how do people get a hold of you? How do people get a hold of you to work with your genius? Probably the simplest way would be to connect with me on LinkedIn under okay. Thomas Earp. That's E-A-R-P, like Wyatt Earp. And the name of my company is NextGen Ability. And so I'm kind of tapping into that next generation perspective, but it's mm-hmm. N-E-X. G-E-N, not next gen, but next gen. And I focus on, you know, helping companies improve their ability, adaptability, and sustainability of not only of their company, but of their employees, because they need to remember what business they're really in as well as people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Tom, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. Um, We're all busy, right? We all got the same what 168 hours, whatever it is, um, every every single week, and you took an hour to come spend it with me. So I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Jason. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in today to this episode of War Room Moments. Remember, dream it, believe it, then go achieve it. My name is Jason Miller, I'm your podcast host. Signing off. Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.